people had to wait hundreds of years for the Messiah to fully come. And so it makes sense then the reactions of the people. It makes sense why the shepherds just left their flocks and followed this angel. It makes sense why these magi travel hundreds of, and it makes sense of why people reacted. Because if it was true, if this baby was the Messiah that had been promised that they were waiting for, it was going to change everything. And so I want to pick up a little bit on this theme of waiting because the reality is I think we are all waiting for something. Just look at our lives and look at our world and we're all waiting for something. Many of us have probably been waiting for Christmas. Maybe some of us can't wait for Christmas to be over. You know, we want to just go on our holidays and go and do whatever we want to going to do. Maybe some of the kids just want to wait to get home and play with that present or some of us are still waiting for our present. I don't know. But all throughout our world, there is waiting. I mean, think about when you get into primary school. You just can't wait to get into high school. And then you get into high school, and you can't wait to get out of high school. And then you get out of high school, and you're just waiting for your car. And then you're waiting for uni or TAFE or work. Or then you're waiting for a job, or you're waiting for uh, a marriage. You're waiting for a family. You're waiting for kids. You're waiting for those kids to move out. You're waiting for a retirement. You're waiting for that travel, that trip, whatever it is. Everyone seems to be waiting for something. Waiting for something that's going to bring happiness or fulfillment. Waiting for something that's going to bring a sense of joy. This sense that there's something better later. The grass is greener on the other side is sort of the mentality of so much of our world. And our, our sort of Western society re- reinforces this, makes us think that if we just have that thing, I'll be happy. If I just finally reach that point in life, I'll be sorted. We have all these longings, all these desires. And even in our country of abundance and of plenty, we still find ourselves waiting. What does that mean for the human heart? What does that mean for the human condition? This is C.S. Lewis. This is my first C.S. Lewis quote for my youth group who always reckon I quote C.S. Lewis too much. But this is what he says. He says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is I was made for another world. And this is a guy who was an atheist. He became a Christian. And... To be honest, I don't think you can argue with the first half of it. If I find in this myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. Like, I just think you look around the world, you look at your own life, I just think that's pretty true. I'm always waiting. I'm always anticipating. I'm always desiring something and nothing seems to fill that void. Nothing seems to satisfy. Which lines up with what the Bible teaches. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the hearts of men, the hearts of women, that, that we're longing for this perfection that the Bible calls heaven. So I guess my question for you this morning is, what do you do with the second half? For C.S. Lewis, his conclusion was that, well, I was made for another world, that, that God is the one I'm longing for, He's the one that satisfies, and that I'm not, this earth is not my home. I'm longing for an eternal glory. What do you do with these longings and these desires, with this sort of restlessness of our world? What do you do with that? 
And I believe that Christmas is really a celebration of a God, like we sang in those songs, who reached down to us. The God who became flesh, made his dwelling amongst us. So it says in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. And I love that because this word dwelling, it, it literally translates to he pitched a tent. He came and he pitched a tent among us. Which one means like for me, that's like, well, a tent is accessible for everyone. There was no, it was not, not a palace that you had to reach. It wasn't like this guarded thing. Like he came and pitched a tent in the neighborhood. Like he was down to earth, pardon the pun. But like that's what he did. But the second thing about pitching a tent is that it's temporary. He came to earth for a purpose and for a reason to bring, one day bring us home into his heaven. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. Look at this gift of Jesus. Look at these other verses in John chapter 1 and see what the Bible has to say for us. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read from John chapter 1. It's on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible, there are some on the welcome table. Feel free to take one home with you and uh, certainly our gift to you. And uh, read through the rest of John. If you're not sure where to start, just take John and keep reading. We're going to read the start of it. And it's on the screen. So John chapter 1 from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the first thing we're going to be focusing on, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's hand, side. Jesus has made him known. So I want to just look at a few quick things that, this passage teaches us about Jesus and why he's the gift and why the gift is good. So the first thing we read is that it says that Jesus gives life. John equates this life to light and that this light shines in the darkness. Because the reality is I think you look around our world and it's pretty clear to see that we're sort of wandering in this darkness. And other biblical writers talk about sin or evil and it's really not hard to see in our world, whether it's poverty or violence, abuse, 
the rise of mental health issues or suicide or family breakdown or relational struggle or whatever it is, like it's, it's not often hard to see. But what I've realized in my own life is that it is easy to see darkness far away. It's easy to see that it's dark over there, but it's often hard to see that it's dark like in me right here. And so often what the Bible talks about is that, is that this sin is not just an issue out there, but it's this issue within. And as we draw closer to the light of Jesus, we begin to realize that there's this, this darkness inside of us. That's a journey I've had to go on as I've wrestled with, you know, you know what, there's some hateful thoughts within me. There's some lustful things. There's some, you know, this ability within me to hurt people regularly. And I don't even try. Do you know? There's this darkness within me that I think I can control and I think that I can sort out myself. But the reality is that is an exhausting journey. I go through this cycle where I feel guilty about something. All right, and I feel like, oh, okay, that's not very good. I'll try and change that. And so I implement some, you know, I talk to some people, implement some changes, try and put on some good habits. And then Maybe I make a bit of progress. It goes like that's where like the cycle sort of splits. I didn't, I couldn't design this on PowerPoint. It got way too confusing. But it sort of splits from there, and either I get confident and arrogant because I have uh, figured it out, and then I start to look down upon people who haven't got it figured out, and then the cycle begins again because I feel guilty and I just, or I realize I can't do it myself at that point, and I give up and I go straight to the top again and feel guilty. And this, and that is an exhausting way to live, trying to fix yourself, trying to make yourself a better person, trying to sort out some of the mess in this world and try and do it all yourself. But the good news of Jesus is that later on in John chapter 1, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus comes and he doesn't just stay this baby that's all cute and mild, and, but he grows up and he goes and takes a death that we deserved and he takes away the sins of the world so that we might have life, so that we can move from our darkness into his wonderful light. And what happens with that is then Jesus begins to open up an adoption for us. But because of the cross, because Jesus deals with our sins, it means we can live as children of God. And that is like the center point of this passage that we read. That it says that he, that those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is the good news. That through Jesus, we can become children of God. It means this sense of freedom because we don't have to try and earn our way. We don't have to try and, you know, fix it all ourselves. But instead, instead of focusing on what we do, we focus on what is done, what Jesus did for us. The way I, like, the way I was thinking about it this week, hands up, does it, do people know Elon Musk? Like, he's just like, for me, like, he's so cool. Like, he, he you know, develops space projects, Tesla like, Tesla's awesome. I mean, I'm not a fan of cars, but I see a Tesla, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I can get around that. And the little engineer within me sort of springs to life. Imagine if Elon Musk, this big-time guy, he, imagine you met him, and he, you get talking, and he goes, you know what, I like the look of you. I, I, like, I really like, I want you to join my company. 
I want you to join me, and uh, you're going to be second in charge. Like, no string, like, you're in. You're a cool dude. And he just goes, you're second in charge, and you're going to take over when I retire. There's one, one stipulation, is that there's a buy-in. And this is a guy who's worth, I think, as I Googled it, over $40 billion, his net worth. $40 billion US. Like, that's a lot. And so you're going to inherit, like, mass projects. You're going to get to go to space soon, and you're going to do some really cool stuff. And he says, no worries, just a little buy-in, $10 million. $10 million buy-in, all yours. You're a second in charge. The company's all yours one day. But no, you can't take out a loan. It's got to be cash, you know, because that's how he rolls. What's your reaction at that point? Either you just go, no way. Or you go, I've got to work really, 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 really hard. Or I've got to get really, 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 really lucky. Probably a combination of both. Just to get to that point. Now imagine another scenario where Elon Musk really likes the look of you and instead what he does is, let's just pretend he's a great guy. I don't know him that well. I haven't met him yet. But let's just pretend he's like, just awesome dude. And instead of the buying, he just says, you know what? I want to adopt you. I'm going to invite you in the family and you get to take over. Like, it's all yours. He sits you down like Mufasa and says, you know, everything the light touches, that's all yours. And you're just like, cool, cool, cool. Now, it sounds ridiculous because that obviously doesn't happen, but I think that is a picture for me of what happens with Jesus when he dies on the cross for us. And he takes, he pays a debt that we could never pay. And often when we explain the good news, we stop there. And as Christians, I think we do a terrible disservice to our witness because the reality is, is the step after that is so great because we inherit a kingdom. We get to become children of God and that is just the most exciting thing ever. We might not get to go to space just yet. We might not get heaps of money like Elon Musk would get, but there is a kingdom that we inherit that is worth waiting for and that is worth living in. Jesus pays the price that we were never able to pay because the price was perfection. We contributed nothing to the exchange and we receive everything. And it's not just a ticket to heaven one day in the future and so you can just live your life as you want and go. But no, instead we receive this unconditional love, which means we get this incredible forgiveness, which means we can live in this relationship with God, which means we can have this blessed assurance that, you know what, I know that God's got me. And when you know that God's got you in His hand, nothing external can take you from that place. And that is a foundation of which you can build a healthy life upon. When you know this peace that God's in control, when you know this hope that He's going to restore all things, when you've got this joy that you know that God's on your side. We have this freedom because we know that you know our proximity to God is not reliant on our good works or it's not reliant on our bad works but our proximity to God is purely based on his grace that we can be close to him we can be near to him because of what he's done we get this transformative power within us through his spirit to be able to live a life 
that he's called us to live. We get to see ourselves change and become more like him. We get to see provision and, and miracles and change happen in the world around us. We get to join a family of believers all across the world, all across history. We get to know the God of the universe who never leaves us, never forsakes us, always by our side. Someone that we get to call Father and Friend, Savior, King. The Bible uses a simple word to sort of encapsulate all this. It's a word we read in John, this grace upon grace. The Jesus who leads in grace and truth. You know, he talks about Moses who operated in the Old Testament and, you know, that the law came through Moses. That through Moses there was these rules and regulations that if you did these things, you could be near God. You could live with him. But instead, Jesus says, it says that Jesus came and he talked about grace and truth. And grace is a word that we throw around in churches a lot, but my Sunday school days taught me that it means God's riches at Christ's expense. That Christ paid the price. He's the one who paid the debt. And so we get all of God's riches. We get a glimpse of it now and we get the totality of it one day in the future. But the glimpse we get now is more than enough to live a life worth living. And the best thing is it's not about doing the right things. It's not about earning your way, but it's just about knowing the truth of Jesus. Knowing that this way of life leads to life. That the light shines in the darkness. What could be a greater gift than becoming a child of God? Then knowing Jesus, who welcomes you into the family, you inherit a kingdom that is far greater than anything this world can offer. Now, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that this gift is what, not just I need, but really deep down, it's what I want. And I know that there's many here, too, this morning that say that, yes, you know, the gift of Jesus, that is what changes our lives. My question for you this morning is, do you know that? Do you know that gift of Jesus? And I just want to finish, I guess, because, you know, if someone offers you a gift, you have a few options. You can either push it away and say, no, not opening that. I don't want your gift. Or you can open it, unwrap it, discover what's inside and enjoy it and celebrate it. Unless it's like a bad gift, but this one's pretty good. So what do you do with the gift that's offered? Once again, C.S. Lewis, that's number two for those counting. But C.S. Lewis, he says this, there's, there's often basically three options when it comes to Jesus. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. With the person of Jesus, I want to encourage you, read through the rest of John. Read through the gospel, explore Jesus for yourself, and then decide for yourself whether he's a liar whether he's a lunatic, or whether he's Lord of your life and Lord of the world. What is your response? You know, in John it says that, in John 11, we get that verse where it says, you know, Jesus came to his own. These were people waiting for Jesus. They knew all the prophecies, they knew all the stories, they knew all the stuff, and yet they did not receive him. They rejected him because 
really they wanted their own version of Jesus. They wanted to be king of their own life. They wanted to do things their own way. And so they rejected the one that they'd been waiting for. Now, the Bible makes it really clear that you can miss the boat with Jesus. And while it goes against everything in my personality and my nature, I feel like it's, I've got to be clear and just be like, you've got to really consider your response to Jesus. Because if you reject him as king, he will let you have your way. And one day he returns, those who have accepted his kingship go into heaven, and those who haven't, well, they get their own way. And the Bible describes that rejection of Jesus' kingship as hell. And it's not to scare or manipulate or anything, but I was convicted this morning that I need to make the truth plain. That's what my call is as a pastor and as a preacher, to put forth the word of truth plainly. And whatever reason that you're here today, you need to consider your response to Jesus because you can reject him. The other issue we have, and this is probably for many of us who are here, is that we can receive the gift, but we can receive it wrongly. We do this a lot in our world where someone tries to give you a gift. And what do you do? I'll pay back. I'll, I'll get the next one. Someone shouts your dinner? Oh, yeah, I'll get you next time. And I think that's what we can do with God. Is he gives us this gift, and instead of receiving it as we should, we just feel obligated to pay it back. And we're just being dragged back into this religion of ticking these boxes and doing this thing that we're supposed to do. Others can treat Jesus as a simple addition to their life or we can twist the message to suit our own desires or our own lifestyle. We can continue to try and earn our way to get to that buy-in point where we've contributed something. Or on the other hand, we get really scared that we're going to lose this relationship and we live in this fear and this trepidation that God doesn't love me or God doesn't like me and we feel like we're on shaky ground. See, this Christmas message this morning is not just for those of us who have never heard it before, but the gospel is for all of us all the time. And so if, if you feel like you've received the gift, but there's something wrong in that exchange, we need to assess our hearts this morning and come back to a place of grace. In Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the order of this verse is so important because often we flip it around and often we get the order wrong. But Paul makes it really clear that we receive the gift it's not a result of works. We just receive it through faith in Jesus. And then from there, you begin to walk in the life that he has for you. So if, if you feel like you've received it a bit wrongly, or maybe you've drifted into that place, we need to come back and say, you know what? I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by Jesus alone, and I'm sustained in the same way. My prayer this morning is that we would all receive the gift rightly.
when it talks about receiving the gift, it means to receive Jesus in the manner that in which he was sent. To receive him how he was sent to us. And John tells us how we do that, by believing in his name. What's his name? His name is Jesus Christ. Which, when you get down to the original language, it simply means Savior and King. That is who Jesus was sent to earth to be, to be our Savior and to be our King. To be the one who that we would trust to save us from our sins, save us from our darkness, save us from the evil in this world. But also be the King that we follow, that we pledge our allegiance to, that we would say, you know what, I'm going to trust you to lead us into life, to protect us, to provide and to take us forward into the promised land. So I guess a simple question, but really the most important question I feel like we'll, you'll get today, maybe for the next few weeks, is do you receive Jesus as your Savior and your King? And whether you've heard it once, whether you've heard it a thousand times, we all need to respond to that question each and every day. Choosing to accept Jesus as our Savior and as our King. Because that is the gift that He was sent to be. So what I want to do is I just want to take a moment, once again, just for you to ask yourself that question. Just to be quiet, just to still yourself, and just ask yourself that question in your heart. Have you accepted, do you accept Jesus as your Savior and your King? I just take a moment just to reflect on that. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift. We thank you so much that you sent Jesus to earth. We thank you so much that you gave us a Savior and a King. One that we can trust to lead us to life. One that we can trust to bring light to our darkness. And so God, for each of us this morning, I pray that in our hearts we would consider that response. And God, that we would take the next step, whatever that may be. And Jesus, I just pray that for each of us, that we would know you more and more. God, that you would open our eyes and we'll be able to celebrate today the gift of all gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you this morning, whatever that next step looks like for you. If you feel like, you know what, I, I don't quite understand this gift. I want to encourage you, grab a Bible, read it through. Start with John 1 and just continue. Come and chat to myself or one of the leaders or someone from this church and they would love to, I'm sure, explain things to you and walk you through that journey if you feel like, hey, I'm not quite sure what this looks like. There'll be people up the front here who would love to chat with you or pray with you after our service. Um, there's no real morning tea and stuff because I know pe people have places to be, but I'll certainly hang around. I'm sure there's others that would if you want to chat to someone or if you want to pray with someone. But I want to encourage you this morning that you would know the gift. Don't move on without having considered your response.
And if you receive the gift, I pray that we can celebrate it as he's worth celebrating. I mean, no one wants to be the person that gets the gift and goes, okay, that's cool, and next, you know. Don't be that. That's a bit like me. I'm a bit of a Christmas Grinch sometimes. Um, But if we received a gift, that's amazing. Our faces light up. We tell everyone about it. We, We might not sing and dance. Maybe Donna sings and dance when she gets a good present. But people can tell that you've received a good gift. So I pray that that would be us this morning, that as we head from this place, as we go into our weeks, that the gift would actually have a visible effect on our lives and on our face, and that we would tell people about the gift of all gifts. Amen? So let's stand, let's celebrate. Joy to the world, the one who rules in truth and grace. Unspeakable joy.